On this week's episode of History Bites, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to focus on one man. Well, kind of two men, but one really important man who single-handedly changed dining in America forever. This man is responsible for introducing French cuisine to the U.S. He's the first American to use a stove. He introduced Americans to creme brulee, meringues, whipped cream, mac and cheese, ice cream, and french fries. Oh, and he was a slave. This week, we're talking about James Hemings, the most famous slave you probably never heard of, but definitely need to know. Hemings was owned by Thomas Jefferson. Yes, that Thomas Jefferson. And is one of the most important, if not the most important, chef in American history. First off, a disclaimer. I want you to know this is not going to be an episode about canceling Thomas Jefferson. We're going to need to keep two things in our heads at the same time. One, that Thomas Jefferson is one of the most important Americans to have ever lived. He wrote the Declaration of Independence. He's responsible for the separation of church and state. And maybe you didn't realize this, but as president, he signed the bill that abolished the slave trade in 1808. And two, he was a slave owner who owned over 600 slaves during his lifetime. Now, who's ready to have some historic fun with delicious food and slavery? Said no one ever. You may not know this, but in addition to figuring out American democracy, Thomas Jefferson was also America's first foodie. The guy was obsessed with foreign foods, and he was constantly planting new and interesting crops in his gardens from all over the world. But he was particularly passionate about French cuisine. However, there weren't any French chefs in America at the time. So, when Jefferson was offered the opportunity to go to Paris to serve as minister to France in 1784, he jumped at the chance, and he decided to take a slave with him who he planned to get trained in the art of French cooking. Of all of his slaves, Jefferson felt that James Hemings had the most aptitude for being a quick study, and Jefferson needed his French food, like yesterday. He was like a fancy junkie. Yo, yo, give me some of that pâté, I'll suck yo d- okay. If you know a little bit about history, you know about Sally Hemings, the slave that Thomas Jefferson impregnated and had six kids with. Well, James Hemings is Sally's older brother. Sally Hemings joined the two in Paris and brought over Jefferson's daughter. Keep in mind, Jefferson's wife was dead, so his torrid affair with Sally is only unethical from a slavery perspective. No adultery here. Oh wait, she was 14 years old? Ethics schmethics. Is your head pounding yet with the many sides of America's most influential founding father? He was like a redneck farmer mixed with an aristocratic slave owner who loved all things French and wanted revolution against the powerful. Pick a side, brah. But enough about TJ, let's talk about James Hemings. In France at the time, there were some interesting, to say the least, rules regarding slavery. France didn't officially abolish slavery until 1794, but it was already regarded as a faux pas by the time Jefferson arrived. Well, okay, it was a faux pas, but with one very large hypocritical exception. Slavery wasn't cool in France, but it was still tolerated in the French colonies as long as they were bringing that sweet, sweet sugar back to Paris. Listen to the sugar episode we did to learn more. As a result, any slave owner who brought their slave with them to France had to face the idea that his slave could appeal for freedom to the French government and the slave owner couldn't do anything about it. Okay, keep that part in your head. As I said, the reason Jefferson wanted to bring James with him to France is because he wanted to have James trained as a fancy French chef. But he also knew that at the time, James and Sally could declare their freedom. 
So what does Jefferson do? A couple of things. First, he makes a deal with James that if he stays with him and learns everything about French cooking, he can earn his freedom when he comes back to the States as long as he trains someone there to replace him. It's like a messed up version of the show Chopped. Chopped, Emancipation Edition. Second, Thomas Jefferson impregnates Sally, which might account for her not running away with his baby. Speculation, but probably good speculation. Moving on. While in Paris, Hemings trained under a classical French chef and a caterer, in addition to a chef who worked for a prince and was in charge of handling meals for nobility. Jefferson had to pay James during his time in France, and James used his own money to hire a French tutor to learn the language so he could learn to cook better. Fun side story, when James finished with his French language lessons, his tutor tried to extort more money out of him and appealed to Jefferson to pay it off. Instead of paying the guy, Hemings beat the shit out of him. Gotta love it. During his apprenticeship, James learned all about running a kitchen, how to manage staff, inventory control, and all the inner workings of being a professional chef. He was introduced to a pasta machine and learned how to make homemade noodles. And he learned and indulged in luxuries like truffles, olive oil, and champagne. Paris at the time was particularly fascinating and would have been even more so to someone like Hemings. He would wander the enchanting streets of Paris as a free man and no one would look at him sideways. And only a decade or so earlier, the first restaurants appeared in Paris and Hemings would have been able to experience them for himself and plant the seeds for similar establishments in America. After his apprenticeship, Jefferson made Hemings his chef de cuisine at his residence and increased his salary. On the side, Hemings would make even more money by selling kitchen byproducts in the markets. There was a huge premium on grease, animal fat, and skins. As Jefferson's chef, Hemings cooked for princes and diplomats, artists and philosophers, scientists and governors, aristocrats and dukes. Jefferson's residence was known for its dinner parties, and it was all thanks to Hemings' superior skills in the kitchen that people kept coming back. Some of the specialties that Hemings mastered were the delectable creme brulee and macaroni pie, which is the precursor to mac and cheese, and something called oeuf à la neige, which are clouds of soft poached meringue set in a sea of creme anglaise. Délicieux. Jefferson and Hemings were in Paris from 1784 to 1789 and had a front row seat to the French Revolution. When shit really hit the fan in May of 1789 because of the salt tax, again, listen to our salt episode to learn more, some of the French revolutionary elite actually turned to Jefferson to help figure out what their government should look like. You gotta understand, Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence and was considered an icon for revolutionaries worldwide. Remember Marquis de Lafayette, the French aristocrat who fought with America during the Revolutionary War? Well, he was now a revolutionary who wanted France to have a democratic government like in America. Lafayette begged Jefferson to host one of his most famous dinners, where a disparate group of delegates with fragmented political leanings could all get together and hash out what France will look like post-revolution and to avoid a civil war. Guess who was the chef? According to Jefferson himself, the dinner Hemings cooked was so good and the wine was so plentiful that the group compromised and staved off war amongst themselves. That's way more than Gordon Ramsay can say for any of his dinners. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jefferson and Hemings left Paris in September of 1789, just after the storming of the Bastille and before the revolutionaries stormed Versailles and chopped off the king's head. But Hemings didn't come back empty-handed. For the trip back to America, Jefferson filled 86 crates with kitchen utensils and equipment, pasta-making machines from Italy, wines, cheeses, olive oils, a bunch of fruit trees, and Jefferson even smuggled in rice because American rice was garbage at the time. The reason Jefferson left, however, is because George Washington picked him to be Secretary of State. So instead of returning to Monticello, where James could start training someone and earn his freedom, he instead went to New York with Jefferson and became his chef at his New York residence. Jefferson altered his freedom bargain with Hemings and told him that when they returned to Monticello, then he can train someone to replace him. But that wasn't for another three years. Consolation Prize, he did continue to pay him. Hemings might have been one of the only few slaves in America that actually got paid. But, and this is where all my Hamilton musical fans are going to lose their minds. While in New York, Hemings cooked one of the most important meals in American history. Jefferson knew that Hemings cooking was the elixir to diplomacy, and at the time, there were major issues in America. Because of the Revolutionary War, the states were in massive debt. On one side, Alexander Hamilton wanted the federal government to assume the debt and centralize power nationally. On the other side, Jefferson and James Madison wanted the states to remain independent with their own rights. A dinner was planned to hopefully bring everyone together. With a fancy menu that included capon with truffles and artichokes, capon is basically a fancy chicken, beef a la mode, and confections of macarons and meringues, and with a wine pairing for all courses, the men came to a reasonable compromise. Remember the song from the musical Hamilton? The room where it happened, the room where it happened. This was the room! James Hemings cooked that meal. How did you miss that, Lin-Manuel? The compromise was that the national government would assume the state's debts, but they agreed to move the capital further south to somewhere along the Potomac River. In all honesty, was Aaron Burr pissed about the deal Hamilton made, or was it missing out on the succulent beef a la mode? I know where I stand. The federal government was then temporarily relocated to Philadelphia, but this meal sealed the deal for the future of the country's government in DC. Again, hats off to James. Interesting aside, soon after the New York dinner, Jefferson moved to Philly with James, and they were there for way over six months. Why does six months matter? Because in Pennsylvania, there was a law that slaves working in the state for over six months could apply for asylum. But James didn't apply. That's the second time he could have been freed and declined. I told you, this is a tangled relationship. In 1793, Jefferson resigned and decided to move back to Monticello with Hemings. It was time for Jefferson to pick the slave who would be James's culinary replacement. And out of 600 slaves, who did he pick? Thomas Jefferson chose James Hemings's younger brother, Peter, to be the replacement. Such a manipulative move by TJ, knowing that it would still bind James in some way to him. That, plus James's nieces and nephews from Sally. These guys had a very complicated relationship. Brother-in-law, chef, slave, gourmand. Lin-Manuel, I smell another musical. I'll play the French teacher who gets his ass kicked. While at Monticello, James had a stew stove installed that replaced the hearth. Do you know what a hearth is? It's basically a gigantic open fire in the middle of a kitchen where they used to cook everything. At the time, women wore pretty loose clothing, and it was very common for them to catch on fire from embers shooting out. A stew stove is similar to a modern stove in that it has cooking stations for various pots and pans and is great for creams, sauces, and delicate frying. 
For the next two years, James taught his brother everything, and at age 30, in 1796, he was finally emancipated by Jefferson. He left Monticello with $30 in his pocket, roughly the equivalent of $900 today, and went to Philly to work as a cook. There's some evidence that he went back to France, but by 1797, he was back in Philly and got in touch with Jefferson and told him he planned to visit Spain. Not really sure why that matters, but it's kind of interesting that they were still pen pals. In 1801, Jefferson was sworn in as President of the United States, and he sent an intermediary to invite James to be his chef at the White House. At the time, James was working as a cook at a small tavern in Baltimore and sent back a reply saying if he wants me, he can ask me himself. It was a ballsy move, except Jefferson just ignored it and hired a French chef who worked for George Washington instead. Another fun tidbit, when that intermediary told Jefferson that Hemings wanted him to write him personally, Jefferson said, quote, I suppose I saw in the difficulties raised by James an unwillingness to come home, arising wholly from some attachment he had formed at Baltimore, for I cannot suspect an indisposition towards me. Really? Couldn't suspect an indisposition towards Jefferson? Jefferson couldn't think of any reason as to why Hemings would be pissed at him? Come on! However, and this is super interesting, in the summer of 1801, when Jefferson went back to Monticello for a vacation from being president, he personally hired James one last time. That's right, he had a famous white French chef at the White House. He had James's brother Peter who was fully trained, and yet he still wanted James to cook for him. And it's kind of shocking that James actually said yes. Or is it? Jefferson had an interesting, undeniable attachment to James. He was the nation's first foodie, and he knew he needed what James was cooking. And you never forget your first love. Also, James probably had an attachment to Jefferson. Jefferson helped him become the best cook in America, gave him culinary access to the world's greatest leaders, and I bet he took joy in Jefferson's praise. Jefferson's was probably the most sophisticated palate in America at the time, and he needed what James was serving. After Jefferson left Monticello, James went back to Baltimore. Not long after, James was found dead, and it was determined that he killed himself by over-drinking. But suicide seems to be more of an appropriate word for it. The end. Okay, that's a dark story, but let's take stock of James Hemings for a minute. We don't know why he killed himself, because the record has holes in it. Could we assume that his incredibly complicated relationship with Jefferson played an enormous role? That his sister and brother were forever enslaved while he was free? Or that his training of his brother basically sealed his fate at Monticello? Could he not shake the idea that if he wanted to cook the best French food in the world for the most important people, he would have to resell his soul to his former slave master? Also, why did he end up cooking at a modest tavern in Baltimore and not a fine dining spot in New York or Philadelphia? Did he feel guilty for cooking for the creme de la creme of the world for so long while everyone at the bottom, including his family, suffered so miserably? And did Jefferson's relationship with Hemings humanize slaves to a point that it actually had something to do with him signing the anti-slave trade bill? All of this is possible, but again, we don't know. What we do know is that this partnership if we can call it that, of Jefferson and Hemings is one of the most important culinary partnerships in American history. Jefferson's insatiable desire for the best food and James's unmatched skill to prepare it helped bring about a food revolution across America. So let's celebrate James Hemings. His famous meals helped stave off civil war in France and helped shape the America we know today. 
James founded a culinary dynasty in America. His brother Peter preserved James's recipes and taught them as well as his techniques to other slaves. The meals at Jefferson's dinner parties is what created a groundswell for French-American fusion cuisine. So the next time you eat mac and cheese or ice cream or capon with black truffles and artichokes, as I do every Tuesday, try to remember that it was a slave who introduced these delights to Americans and that Thomas Jefferson is the complicated, brilliant, enigmatic, and problematic founding father who helped enable all of it. Okay, <clears throat> Lin-Manuel, if you're listening, here is my audition for French teacher getting his ass kicked. Ow! Psh! Mr. Hemmings! Psh! Arrête! Psh! Arrête! Psh! Wait, did I not teach you arrête? Psh! It means stop! Psh! Oh, so you know arrête. You just don't want to arrête. Psh! God damn it! Psh! This episode of Green Eggs and Dan History Bites was produced and edited by Jordan Aaron. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. This episode was co-written by myself and my partner in food crime, the Paul Feinstein. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's really important to us, guys. Please do it. If you want more Green Eggs and Dan action, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at StandUpDan. Also, we have a YouTube page where you can actually see me and my guests going through their fridges. Just type Green Eggs and Dan into YouTube, like and subscribe. I promise you will enjoy it. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.